0: And as we are in this series called Abide, I want to remind you of our theme for the whole year. And as you walk into TWBC each and every Sunday morning, we want you to understand this one massive concept that we've been uh, addressing all year and we're going to continue to address throughout the rest of the year is that you are not a project for us to fix. You are a person that we love. The minute you walk through that door, we want you to know that we fell in love with you. Amen. We fell in love with who you are right now in the place where you're at, whether you're at the, at the best part of your spiritual walk you've ever been or you're at the worst place you've ever been. We want you to know we love you just the exact way that you are. Our job and our, uh, and our calling at TWBC, it's not to fix you, it's to love you. Because we know when we love you, it's going to open up the door for the Father to begin to come in and show you how much he truly loves you. And so we want you to know that you're not a project to be fixed. You're a person that we love and you are very dear and special to us. And we want to see you every opportunity we can. And so thank you for being here this morning. And we hope that you find this place called home. And so we don't even call it church this year. It's called home. And home is where the presence of the Father is. And so as a church, as a staff, as elders, as worship team, as congregation, our desire is to create an environment where the presence of the Father can show up in such an amazing way that it is undeniable that His power is being made manifest right here in our presence. And so our desire is to create an atmosphere called home where you can walk in just as you are and feel comfortable worshiping with us and the presence of the Father can come into your life and you can know that there's a God in heaven, not a Bible story in a book, but a God in heaven who truly gave his son for you and loves you passionately. And it's our heart's desire that we express that love to you. So we hope you find a place called home right here at TWBC because home is where the presence of the Father truly is. And as we're in a series called Abide this morning, the title of this morning's message is called Gold Coins. Gold coins, and you're going to have to get about halfway through my message to figure out what that title means. So I need you to, I need you to bear with me this morning, and I need to, we're going to rock this thing out today. Man, I woke up this morning, and it is just an amazing day because I felt normal for the first time since I landed like, like 10 days ago. And so I woke up this morning, and just the, the power of God is just, I felt it when I woke up. And God said, give them kingdom this morning. Amen. Give them kingdom. Let heaven manifest in this place. Give them kingdom. And so I need y'all to be ready to get kingdom this morning because God's doing an amazing thing. And so what is this purpose of the series of abide that we're in? The purpose is to get well acquainted with the culture of heaven, get well acquainted with the things of God, the things of heaven, to, to be able to see how Jesus did what he did on this earth and realize that he didn't do it alone. He did it because he abided in the presence of his father. And Jesus came to set the example. If he abided in the presence of his father and he did all these things, if we abide in the presence of the Father, we can do the very same things that Jesus did. The Gospel of John says we'll do greater things than Jesus did because he's praying for us. So get this, Jesus is praying for you right now. Come on now. That's good. Jesus is praying for Joel right now. Thank you, Lord, because you know he needs it. Jesus is praying for me. And he's given us his spirit within us to see the power and the love of God manifest in this earth in unbelievable ways that will turn people's hearts to the Father. And so the purpose of this series, Abide, is to get well acquainted with the culture of heaven so much so that we don't just have good church, but we bring the culture of heaven to our school system, to our grocery stores, to our places of business, to employment places, to to, uh, around the world when we go on vacation or when we go on a business trip. The culture of heaven doesn't happen in church. It happens in us. And we bring the culture of heaven with us wherever we go. And we see miracles, signs, wonders, great things, people set free, born again on airplanes. Come on. And we bring heaven with us wherever we go. And so as the culture of heaven manifests, Jesus said this in the Lord's Prayer. And we've prayed it, but I think we prayed it so often and we didn't really realize what we were praying. We've missed the power of it. And he said, your kingdom come or culture come is how I phrase it. Your kingdom come or your culture come. On this earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And as you begin to read and study that, if we're asking for his kingdom to come, we cannot go back to what we've always thought is his kingdom. We must expand our thinking and step into the culture of his kingdom so we understand the culture of heaven. So then when we pray, your kingdom come, we begin to expect what Jesus expects because he's praying for us to have his kingdom come into this earth. So it's his kingdom come, his will be done on this earth or in our culture as it is in his culture. And so I want us to begin to fully expand on this because God wants to do more than have a momentary encounter with you. He wants to start it in a moment and create a movement out of it that abides. And when a movement begins to be created... Cultures begin to change, but culture doesn't change overnight. And so if we just have a moment, a one-time experience with God, that is amazing, and I'm not making light of it. But God never expected it to last for a moment. He expected whatever you did to get into that moment to cultivate it to a movement that abides over weeks, months, years, and decades. Come on. And decades. And decades. Come on. So 50 years from now, Sulphur Springs, Northeast Texas, this four-state area, the culture is different because the kingdom culture came in a moment. It started a movement that lasted over one month, two months, 10 months, 10 years, 50 years, and society is different because TWBC found kingdom culture and just figured out a way to get it to the earth. And that's our heart. That's what we want to see. And so it's got to be more than a moment. It's got to be a movement that abides. And in a movement that abides, we're going we're to begin to change things. And last week and the several weeks prior, we've addressed these seven issues. We're going to change things. We're going to change the seven mountains of influence that are in our life. Family, religion, economy, education, government, arts and media, science and technology. These seven areas influence every area of your life. And so if they influence us, we must begin to say, There's a problem because if they're having a greater influence than the culture of heaven is having an influence, that means the world's way is winning and and overriding our culture of heaven. And Jesus said, I want the culture of heaven to come into this earth and override your mountains of influence. And so either we're influencing mountains or mountains are influencing us. And last week we talked about how do you influence mountains. How do you do it? And last week we talked about it was to value your platform. Your place of employment is your platform. Value it. Fall in love with it. Because it's your opportunity to change a mountain of influence. Whether it be your family. Whether it be in a religion. Whether it be in economy. Whether it be in education. Whether it be in the government. Whether it be in arts and media. Whether it be in science and technology. It doesn't matter what it is. We must begin to understand whatever uh, platform we're in or work environment we're in, if we would value it, put great importance on it, the kingdom of God can show up in it and we can begin to change the mountain, not the mountain change us. And we must begin to change mountains. Do you believe mountains still move? Give me an amen. Amen. Come on. We got to start believing this thing again, that we can have a divine influence on the mountains that are trying to influence us. And we can change them. That is why I'm a firm believer. If you are a great business person, don't try and quit your business to come into the ministry. You have a ministry. It's to change economy. I, I think we did a great injustice over the years when people began to get a calling of God on their life. We quickly pulled them out of the world and put them in churches when they probably should have stayed in the world because we have more effect outside of the building than we do inside of the building. And I'm not knocking people who have quit jobs and gone into the ministry because I did it. But I do believe this, that there are several people I believe were still called to the economy, to the government, to the social media, to all these things that ha- ha- had God started moving in their life and they stepped into the ministry and they became miserable and now they're at the point of burnout and wanting to quit to go back into the, to the, to the, to the economy or the world's industry when they may and never should have left the world's industry because there are more of an influence out there than they are in the church. And so, in this, we got to begin to understand that you must value your platform because remember, what we understand now that we understand how how God has us and He's geared us in in our work environment, what we understand, we then value, put great importance on. What we value, we then begin to steward or manage very well. What we steward and manage very well, it multiplies under us. What multiplies under us, God says, I give you authority over it. That's how you influence mountains. It's how you change mountains. And we're going to keep breaking that that down throughout the rest of this series. And as we get into today's messages, we we know that we must value our platform. It's our opportunity to influence mountains. But how? How do you do that? We found out last week the why in it. But how do we do it? How do we begin to influence mountains? And so we must bring them the kingdom of God. Henry Ford said this. If I were to ask people what they wanted, they would have said, faster horses. Think about it. Henry Ford, the inventor of the automobile, said, if I were to ask what people wanted, they would have said, faster horses. And that blows our mind. Today. It's like, Why would you ask for a faster horse when you could have a car? It's easy looking back 100 years on the automobile industry. <laughs> But before the automobile industry was invented, all they knew about was horses. So all they were asking for was faster horses. See, we must bring them the kingdom of God because this is the reason why. People cannot ask for what they do not know is available to them. People before the automobile was invented were asking for faster horses because they didn't know that there was a man who could create an engine and put four wheels on it and you could begin to drive. And then 100 years later, we got cars that are going 300 miles an hour. And they still wanted faster horses. See, people who are not in the kingdom do not know what the kingdom has available to them. And so they do not even know what to ask for. Therefore, if we're going to change this, this is how we change it. We bring them for what they don't even know that they need. Come on. We bring them for what they don't even know that they need. People are saying, oh, I need an antibiotic. No, you don't. We bring them kingdom and the healing power of God. People say, oh, I need more money. No, you don't. We bring them kingdom principles to apply to their finances and they multiply under them and they have great authority because now they begin to do it kingdom way, not not the world's way. People said, oh, we need education reform. No, we don't. We need to bring kingdom into our education. And it doesn't matter what the government says, the government can't stop you from being anointed. Come on. You ain't even got to open your mouth. You can, walk up to, you can walk up to little Jimmy or little Billy and just walk up to him and you just keep on teaching. And boom, his life is changed. The government can't stop anointing. We must begin to understand we bring kingdom wherever we go. And you don't have to say a word. You don't have to preach it. You don't got to stop class and offer up a prayer. You just be anointed. You be kingdom. And when you walk into your classroom, you walk in with kingdom. And when a little kid is battling depression and the joy of the Lord is on the inside of you and you just brush up against them and all of a sudden they begin to break out in a spirit of joy. Come on. And you know, I find it funny that Christians always talk about being joyful, but when joy breaks out in the church, we get more havoc out of that than people bawling and crying and snot everywhere. Come on. There ought to be an atmosphere of joy when we come to the house of God. Give me an amen. You ought to be able to shout and clap and sing and be joyful because God is in this place. Listen, if you wanted to bring kingdom, understand this, the Bible says in heaven, there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more weeping. So when you come into the house of God, get your mourning, crying, weeping out of the way because the joy of the Lord is here. Yeah. That's a freebie. That wasn't in my message. I'm just saying. I'll get back up here. Keep on track. We got to give them what we, they don't even know is available to them. Faster horses. Really? The world's asking for faster horses because they don't know what the kingdom has to offer. The world's asking for better, better drugs and better things because they don't know what the kingdom has to offer. So we bring them kingdom in every way. There's an amazing story in the book of Acts chapter 3 where... This is explained very well and it says a man that was lame from birth was being carried and whom they laid at the temple gate that is called beautiful. You know that man thought that gate was anything but beautiful. It was a constant reminder of his crippled. It was a constant reminder that he's a beggar. It was a constant reminder that he was uh, outcast in society, that he couldn't support himself, that friends had to drag him before a gate so he could beg for money to survive from day to day. Can I tell you that man thought that gate was anything but beautiful. That gate was a symbol of misery for him. But when kingdom shows up at a gate called beautiful, and it said he was at a gate called beautiful for asking for alms for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms from them. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Come on. See, when you expect to receive a little from God, he can change your whole world. You may be expecting the wrong thing, but you just got to come expecting. You just got to come expecting. Expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said... I have no gold and I have no silver, but what I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took the man by his hands and he stood up and his ankles were strengthened on both feet and he went away rejoicing. Can I tell you, in one day, the man who was asking for faster horses is now asking for what can I do for the kingdom of God? Amen. See, he didn't know what was available to him. And listen, Peter and John had no intentions of stopping They were on their way into the temple and the man called to them. Peter and John didn't have intentions of stopping. They were going to do their, their thing at the temple. But when a man yelled at them, he caught their attention and he directed their gaze at each other. And Peter said this, silver and gold, what the world has to offer, I don't have, but I'm going to give you something that the world can't offer. I have the kingdom to come into your life. People do not even know what is available to them, and so we can't ask them what they want. We give them what they know they need deeply, and that's not our judgmental attitudes and our preaching at them and telling them how wrong they are. It is a touch from the anointing and the power of God and say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and we walk in the kingdom anointing in the power of God like never before lost people don't know what to ask for so give them the power of God do a miracle in their life and tell them this is from Jesus and they'll get saved see we as the church we've tried to give them all kind of legalistic preaching we've tried to give them all kinds of judgmental attitudes of why they shouldn't why they shouldn't and and good life skills and good principles when are we going to get back to giving them anointing and the power of God. And I'm so excited, I'm so excited that we have the opportunity beginning right here, right now, today, to give to people what they don't even know is available to them. You may be thinking, Pastor, I don't know what's available to me. Well, good, it's available to you too, even though you don't know it. And that's where the Bible says seek first the kingdom. Of God and his righteousness. And we always focus on, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, we're back on things. No, seek first the kingdom. If you don't know what's available, seek the kingdom. If you're not sure what the kingdom offers, seek Jesus. Because where Jesus is, is the kingdom. And as the church, when we seek kingdom, we'll be able to give them what they don't even know is available to them. And so as we move forward throughout this message, I want us to begin to think about what we can bring to the world and the kingdom. If we're going to give them something differently, we must think differently. We must think kingdom before anything else. If we want them to think differently, we first have to think differently. See, a lot of times the mountains of influence are influencing the church more than the church is influencing the mountains. And so we must begin to think differently as the church. We must begin to really think, what, is it, what if it really is true that with God all things are possible? Amen. Come on, we got three amens, come on. What if it is really true that with God all things really are possible? And we begin to think differently and think like that. Because it is true. All things really are possible to those who believe. If we're going to have them think differently, we first got to start thinking differently. If we're going to give them something different, we first got to receive something different. I pray you receive a different message than most churches give when you come here. No, I really don't. I pray that other churches would preach the same thing. Amen. But but I know that's not always true, so I, I pray that I give you something different. I pray that the message that I bring gives you hope and gives you life and brings you joy and gives you inspiration. That I really can do all things through Christ. That God has a purpose, a plan, and a destiny for my life. That there's something different about this church because there's a different message than legalism and judgmental attitudes and everything else. I pray that we get something different so we can give something different. And I pray that God would manifest mightily in your life. If the kingdom of heaven cannot influence the church, how do we ever expect it to influence the world? If the kingdom of heaven cannot influence the church, if it can't change our thinking, how do we expect it to change the world's thinking that isn't following after him? If the kingdom of heaven cannot transform Joel, Joel can't expect the kingdom of heaven to transform the lost people's life out there. It must begin to happen in the church. It must begin to happen right here at TWBC, that the kingdom of heaven, because it's such a great influence on us, it changes us. And we realize it's not for us. It is for us, but not completely to be encompassed by us. It's for us so we can go uh, steward it, multiply it, and expand it and have authority over it in the world. And we begin to change the world. I want to read you this quote. Changed my perspective when I read it. And this is a quote by Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was a a great leader. And it's a well-known story. And history tells us a well-known story of Alexander the Great. Once he was passing by a beggar and gave him several gold coins. And someone noticed that he gave him several gold coins and asked why, mentioning that copper coins would have met the beggar's needs. To this, Alexander the Great replied, Copper coins would have suited the beggar's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Copper coins would have suited the beggar's needs, but gold coins is how Alexander gives. Too many times the church has been meeting beggar's needs with copper when that's not how the kingdom gives. We've been meeting the world's need with copper coins and the things of the earth rather than giving them the kingdom of God, which is gold coins. And, I, and when I read that, the gospel came to me in a whole new light. When we try to get somebody saved, we do it through earthly means and earthly aspects. When God wanted to get the world born again and redeemed, he gave his one and only son. He didn't give something that the earth needed. He gave all that heaven could possibly offer. He gave us his very best. He gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Copper coins does not suit the way my God gives. Gold coins suit the the way my God gives because he gives of his kingdom and from his kingdom of which there is no end. And his rule and his reign will last forever. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Copper coins will suit the beggar's needs. But gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Whew. I hope you write that down. Take a picture of that screen. Because some of y'all need to read that and meditate on it for a week. Because some of you, you'll go to work tomorrow, and somebody will say, hey, pray for me. And you'll say, okay, I'll pray. And you just gave them copper when you got gold. You gave them copper when you got gold. See, copper can meet needs, but that shouldn't facilitate or suit our passion for giving. Copper can meet the needs of people and individuals, and we can put Band-Aids on things. But God didn't come with a Band-Aid. He came to make all things new. God didn't come to just make sure you are OK. He came to give you new life and have it life more abundantly. See, see he, he was meeting God was meeting the need through the whole Old Testament with, with lambs and goats. But He doesn't give according to what we need. He gives according to how He wants to give and what He has. And oh my goodness, when we'll realize God wants to give us gold and not copper, we'll be free to go give kingdom and not earthly. I pray that that sets into your spirit this week. Copper coins would have fit the beggar's needs. But gold coins fits how Alexander gives. I've realized in my life that we've been trying to, uh, me personally, do things in ways that I think are good, that I think are great, that I think will work. And they've, they've been working and they've met needs but I don't want to just meet needs anymore. I don't want to just meet needs anymore. I want to give people kingdom. See, I can give them copper all day long and meet needs, but, but, but God didn't give me copper. He gave me gold. So why should I cheapskate the world and give them copper when God gave me gold? Why should I give them what I think the TWBC can offer when I can give them what the kingdom can offer? Why should I give them what's in Joel's ability when I can do what's in Christ's ability? I mean, I'm telling you, it's a brand new day. Everything's changing, and we must begin to realize, know, and understand that God wants to give more than we're ever willing to ask for. Henry Ford really said it best. If I were to ask them what they wanted, they would have said, faster horses. If we would have asked God, if God were to ask what we wanted, we would have just said, oh God, let us live and not die. And he, he didn't want us to just live and not die. He wanted us to have new life and have abundant abundant relationship with him. And so we must begin to ask ourselves as a church, are we useful or are we necessary? Are we useful or are we necessary? It's a tough question to ask yourself. What is the role of TWBC in in our region? It's a sobering fact to know that we are useful. But the question is, are we necessary? Because, to be honest with you, if TWBC did not exist tomorrow, hungry people would still get fed in our community. Homeless people would still have shelter in our community. The United Way does great work at at meeting needs of people's electric bills and everything else. TWBC is very useful. I mean, profoundly useful. But the fact of the matter is, if we did not exist tomorrow, everybody's needs in the community would probably still get met. So it's time that we do a shift in our thinking. Father, what makes us necessary in this region? What is our gold coins of the kingdom that we have? that makes us necessary and vital to the Northeast Texas area and around the world. God, I don't want to be useful anymore. I want to be necessary. I want if TWBC did not exist tomorrow, for it to be like a black hole, a great void that's out of here, and the city begins to say, we cannot exist without an anointing power of God church in our community, because we didn't realize what they had, what we had when they were here, but now that they're gone, we realize there's a great void, and it is necessary for TWBC in the Northeast Texas area, not just to be here. but to thrive and to grow because they transform things wherever they go. It's time we become necessary. It's time we become necessary in every area and every aspect of our life. This is not a negative. This is making God realize that we have gold coins. How about that? Got news playing. And in this, we must begin to realize that we have gold coins. And God woke me up on Tuesday morning this week and gave me a verse of scripture out of Isaiah, and I don't read Isaiah. Isaiah is confusing to me. I know all those great theologians out there, they're like, oh, Isaiah, you're so wonderful. And I'm like, I don't get it. They read Jeremiah and it's awesome. And I'm like, I got two verses out of Jeremiah that I love. I formed you before you, and knew you, and the woman of your mother, and I know the plans I have for you. All the rest I don't get. I don't understand it. So I'm working on it. I'm seeking kingdom. Amen. But he woke me up and he gave me this verse out of Isaiah 61. And it's verse, uh, verse 4 in the second part of it. It's part B. And it says, they shall repair, and that word really is redeemed, make new, ruin cities. And, the, and that word repair in the language you break it down can be moved down to the devastation part. And they shall redeem the devastation of many generations. That's what makes us necessary. We can do great things as a church. We can be awesome as a church. We can do great functions as a church. We can put on great conferences as a church. But if we are to become necessary in the kingdom of God and in the northeast Texas area, it's because we restore broken down cities and we redeem broken down cities. And more than that, we redeem the devastation of many generations going way back. Now, come on, when we start changing generations... This is why TWBC Rage is so powerful. It's why TWBC Kids is so powerful. We're not just here trying to change people, we're here to redeem the devastation of many generations that they walked into. And I'm not stopping with them. I'm here to redeem the people after rage, the crossover generation. I'm here to redeem, uh, to redeem the baby boomer generation. Come on, I'm here to redeem those who are about to approach 100 years old. I'm here to redeem that nation, the generation. If we are to become necessary, not just useful, it will be because God has put a mandate on our church, a mandate on TWBC that we shall redeem the ruined cities and we shall redeem the devastation of many generations and start a transformational movement, not just a moment, a movement that abides and we begin to change cultures and societies by cities and generations. We do it. This takes can't stop, won't stop to a whole nother level. Come Come on now. When you see a kid who's acting up, it ain't time to chastise him. It's time to love him and change and redeem a generation. Because they're not acting out of rebellion on their own. It's something that happened before them that they've been brought up into. And it's time that we redeem a rebellious generation. And I'm not just talking kids here. I'm talking the ages of 35 on up to 70. It's time we redeem a rebellious generation that has come complacent with the power and the anointing of God. And saying no longer will we be satisfied for a city that is not anointed with kingdom. And if we're going to change... It's going to start with us in the house of God, right here, right now. If you're with me, say, can't stop, won't stop. stop, stop. It's time to redeem the ruined cities, to redeem the devastation of many, many generations.